Legal Thoughts, Coleman Jackson, Attorney and Counselor at Law. Welcome to Tax Thoughts. My name is Coleman Jackson, and I am an attorney at Coleman Jackson PC, a taxation, litigation, and immigration law firm based in Dallas, Texas. Our topic for today is Income from Discharge of Indebtedness. Other members of Coleman Jackson PC are Ulyssa Molina, Tax Legal Assistant, Leliane Gutierro, Litigation Legal Assistant, Reina Munoz, Immigration Legal Assistant, and Mara Torres, Public Relations Associate. On this Legal Thoughts podcast, our Public Relations Associate, Mara Torres, will be asking the questions, and I will be responding to her question on this very important topic, income from discharge of indebtedness. Good morning, everyone. It's a pretty chilly autumn morning today. My name is Mayra Torres, and I'm the Public Relations Associate at Coleman Jackson PC. We are a taxation, litigation, and immigration law firm based right here in Dallas, Texas. Attorney, is all income taxable in the United States? Good morning, Myra. Wow, that is a broad question this morning. Let me begin with Internal Revenue Code Section 61, where gross income is defined in U.S. tax law. That is where we must begin our discussion of taxable income in U.S. tax law. Gross income is defined in Internal Revenue Code Section 61 as all income from whatever source derived. The Internal Revenue Code contains a laundry list of types of income that are taxable. Internal Revenue Code Section 61 specifically states that the list is not intended to be exhaustive or complete. The types of income specifically included on the gross income laundry list are as follows. One, compensation for services, including fees, commissions, fringe benefits, and similar items. Two, gross income derived from business. Three, gains derived from dealings and property. Four, interest. Five, rents. Six, royalties. Seven, dividends. Eight, alimony and separate maintenance payments. Nine, annuities. 10, income from life insurance and endowment contracts. 11, pensions. 12, income from discharge of indebtedness. Let me repeat, 12, income from discharge of indebtedness. 13, distributive share of partnership gross income. 14, income in respect of a decedent. And 15, income from an interest in an estate or trust. Let me repeat. This list of taxable gross income is not exhaustive. Gross income under U.S. tax law is extremely broad and envision taxation of increments of wealth constituted in whatever shape or form. Attorney, this is a lot. Oh, my God. Let me see whether we can narrow down our discussion to this. Is there any income excluded from the gross income from the U.S. tax purposes? Myra, that indeed is a strategy because, as I said, the concept of gross income in U.S. tax law is a global concept. Gross income includes income derived from whatever source derived. 
As for income that is excluded from gross income for tax purposes, let me just limit our discussions to income from discharge of indebtedness, since this could potentially be a looming problem as the economic impact of COVID-19 continues to hammer many families in their pocketbooks. Internal Revenue Code Section 108A states that gross income does not include any amount which would otherwise be includable in gross income by reason of the discharge of indebtedness of the taxpayer if, one, the discharge occurs in a Title XI bankruptcy case, two, the discharge occurs when the taxpayer is insolvent, three, the indebtedness discharged is qualified form indebtedness, four, in the case of a taxpayer other than a C corporation, the indebtedness discharge is qualified real property business indebtedness, or five, the indebtedness discharge is qualified principal residence indebtedness, which is discharged one, before January 1, 2021, or two, subject to an arrangement that is entered into and evidenced in writing before January 1, 2021. Okay, you have listed about five categories there. Right now, could you please explain the last one you mentioned in the list in more detail? Explain what qualified principal residence indebtedness is and how it all works. Myra, the term principal residence indebtedness means the debt financing the taxpayer's principal residence or place where the taxpayer resides most of the time. This is the main residence of the taxpayer. The mortgage on the taxpayer's main residence must meet both of these prongs or conditions. One, the mortgage must have been taken out to purchase, build, or substantially improve the taxpayer's main home. And two, the mortgage must secure the taxpayer's main home. Let me just add that the taxpayer cannot have but one main residence at a time, which turns on all the facts and circumstances. The debt can be a second mortgage obligation if it meets requirements one and two that I just discussed. Attorney, how much of this qualified principal residence indebtedness is eligible for exclusion from the gross income of the taxpayer? Well, first of all, let me say, the list of exclusions have a pecking order that taxpayers must be aware of. For example, the discharge of debt in a Chapter 11 bankruptcy proceeding preempts all other exclusions under Code Section 108. And the insolvency exclusion that I mentioned a while ago takes precedence over the farm debt exclusion and the qualified real property exclusion. And the principal residence indebtedness exclusion takes precedence over the insolvency exclusion unless the taxpayer makes the proper elections. Now, let's go back to your original question. Myra, please repeat your question again so that we can be clear on this. Sure, no problem, attorney. Thanks for pointing out the pecking order of the various exclusions. My original question was, how much of the qualified principal residence indebtedness that is given by the lender is excluded from the gross income of the taxpayer? 
Okay, let me make four very important points as it relates to the amount of the exclusion of cancellation of debt income of certain qualified principal residents indebtedness. Number one, the exclusion of residents indebtedness only applies for the most part to debt discharge after 2006 and before 2021, or at least the taxpayer needs to have a written discharge of agreement in place by December 31, 2020. Number two, the maximum amount of forgiven debt that the taxpayer can treat as qualified principal residence indebtedness is $2 million or $1 million if filing married, filing separate. So it's $1 million. And number three, the discharge debt must be directly related to decline in the market value of the taxpayer's main home or directly due to the taxpayer's disrupted or poor financial condition. Number four, the exclusion amount is limited to the part of the discharge loan that is qualified principal residence indebtedness. That simply means that the exclusion is limited to the portion of the discharge debt that meets the definition of qualified principal residence indebtedness under the tax code that I discussed at the beginning of this discussion. Attorney, how does a taxpayer actually take the qualified principal residence debt exclusion? I mean, is this on the tax return they filed or what? Yes, the taxpayer must attach tax form 982, reduction of tax attributes due to discharge of indebtedness to their annual income tax return filed with the Internal Revenue Service and comply with appropriate instructions explaining their tax position. Myra, do you have any further questions with respect to types of income excluded from gross income? So far, we mostly have talked about qualified principal residence debt exclusion. And there are many aspects of this topic that we have not explored. I mean, we could talk more about debt extinguished through repossessions and foreclosures, any specific additional questions at this time on this debt cancellation topic? Um, no, attorney, I think you've answered all my questions. I do have a lot more, though, involving the exclusion of canceled debt from the U.S. taxation, but I can put them off for another time. Our listeners who want to hear more podcasts like this one should subscribe to our Legal Thought podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever they listen to our podcast. Everybody take care and come back in about two weeks for more taxation, litigation, and immigration legal thought from Coleman Jackson PC, which is located at 6060 North Central Expressway, Suite 620 in Dallas, Texas, 75206. If you guys ever want to call us and reach out to us, our phone numbers in English is 214-599-0431. And the Spanish callers can reach us at 214-599-0432. This is the end of Legal Thoughts for now. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to inform you about the exclusion of cancellation of debt income from U.S. taxes. If you want to see or hear more taxation, litigation, and immigration legal thoughts from Coleman Jackson PC, stay tuned. Watch for a new Legal Thoughts podcast in about two weeks. We are here in Dallas, Texas, and want to inform, educate, and encourage our communities on topics dealing with taxation, litigation, and immigration. Until next time, 
Take care.